0: we want to just concentrate on having a look at how it is that Satan continued to um, bring this particular doctrine into the church because he realized um, what a good tool it was for him to bring Gentile believers into bondage through this particular doctrine. But before we um, have a look at in any kind of depth today, I just want to touch on two points um, that I didn't quite uh, clarify or finalize in the previous teaching and that is the the one point is uh, around the decision that was taken at the council in Jerusalem in Acts 15 that Gentile believers should um, abstain from blood and things strangled and then we spoke about Paul and his addressing of that issue when he wrote to the church in Rome and he spoke he alluded to it by indicating that um, mature believers ate all things, but those who were weak in their faith could only eat vegetables. And obviously that pertained to Jewish believers who, because they couldn't eat kosher meat, that is, um, meat prepared correctly, uh, they would therefore only eat vegetables. Uh, Paul did address the issue um, in another letter that he wrote, the letter that he wrote to the church at Corinth, Um, In context, in this particular passage of scripture that we'll read now, Paul is actually addressing the issue of eating uh, foods that are offered up to idols. However, the principle that he teaches the uh, the church, the Gentile believers, as well as the Jewish believers as well, um, also pertains to this concept of abstaining from things that are strangled or from uh, eating blood. In other words, eating meat that is not um, prepared like the Jews are, have to have it prepared under the Old Covenant. The passage of Scripture we'll look at is 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 25 and 26. Uh, the, the Scripture says, Eat whatever is sold in the meat market, asking no questions for conscience' sake. For the earth is the Lord's, and all its fullness and so very clearly uh, Paul prescribed to the churches mainly as I say Gentile believers his prescription is eat whatever is sold in the meat market so he's very clear about what he's talking about in this um, instruction Um, and so that is clearly um, alluding to the fact that as believers we can eat whatever is sold in the meat market so even if uh, the meat is not prepared as Jewish believers um, or as Jews uh, expect the meat to be prepared. In other words, all of the blood being drained before they eat it. Paul saying to us, don't don't get hung up on that issue. Whatever's sold in the meat market, how it's prepared is not something that we need to be looking at. Um, because he goes on to say, for the earth is the Lord's and all its fullness, and so. From this point, this comment that Paul makes, he again just re-emphasizes and strengthens the truth to us that under the new covenant, that we are not constrained by dietary laws or any other of that type of law. Um, because we, we serve God in the spirit. We're born again. It's our spirits that are life to God. And this whole Christian walk is a spiritual walk. That's why Paul time and again encourages the believer to walk in the spirit so that they will not fulfill the lust of the flesh and so we're not to get caught up in fleshly ordinances at all so that's just bringing some clarity around that point that um, we're not to get caught up in the way that meat is prepared or not we just eat whatever is sold in the meat market and then the, the other point that i wanted to just highlight is that when paul um spoke against the gentile believers observing the law he never spoke against the gentile believers observing the law of moses as such from the point of view of the moral law because don't forget under this covenant the new covenant of which we are partakers of there is only one commandment really that is given to us and our lord gave it to us in john chapter 13 verse 34 he says a new commandment i give to you that you love one another as i have loved you that you also love one another. And so that is the only commandment that the, the Christian uh, is meant to keep under this covenant. No other commandments are replicable. You say, well, does that mean that we can go and commit adultery and, and murder because you know those are under the, the Ten Commandments? No, because the Apostle Paul then did... Uh, elaborate on it. Our Lord also spoke around it, but we're not going to touch on what our Lord taught. But let's just have a look at what the Apostle Paul taught the churches, Jewish believers and Gentile believers alike, as it pertained to the keeping of the moral law uh, given to us through the law of Moses. In Romans chapter 13, verse 8 to 10, uh, the Apostle Paul writing, he says, Owe no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, and then he goes to list some of them, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet, and if there is any other commandment, all are summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 10 love does no harm to a neighbor therefore love is the fulfillment of the law and so that is the commandment that the Gentile believers are required of God to uh, keep. We keep the commandment of love for by doing so it encapsulates all of the other moral commandments that God gave uh, in the Old Testament and so uh, Paul didn't discount the, the, the moral law when he taught the Gentile believers. He taught them keep the law of love because in doing so you are going to be keeping uh, by default all of the moral law given to um, uh, the Jews in the Old Testament. But it's it's the ceremonial law, it's the ordinances because there's 613 laws that are given to the Jews in the Old Covenant. And so it's all of those um, dietary laws, it's all of those uh, observance of certain calendar calendar events, those are the laws that Paul steers the Gentile believers away from and he says you're not to get involved with that. Now um, we saw that that particular doctrine was brought into the church by um, ministers of Satan because Paul very clearly tells us it was false brethren that introduced that doctrine to the church. And so Satan had caught on to um, a mechanism that he could use, a very effective mechanism that he could use to uh, bring Gentile believers into bondage. If he could get the Gentile believers to start observing the uh, law of Moses, Uh, He knew that he could get them down a road whereby he could eventually get them to actually apostatize and fall away from following after Christ and convert to Judaism. And that actually uh, took place in Paul's day and it continues to take place even today. And so let's have a look at some examples um, of, because from that point when that doctrine was introduced into the church, it never went away and it hasn't gone away since. Uh, even today, there's a movement that is called um, the Hebrew Roots Movement, um, and it's, it's Gentile believers that are trying to find out what their Hebrew roots are, and so they go back into genealogies and all sorts of things because they want to partake of that. Now, that's not of God. That is uh, um, a satanic influence. Satan has sent his spirits into the church. They, they remain here. They, What they found out was effective 2,000 years ago, they know it's still effective today because there's this um, a desire of the flesh among believers to want to start observing all of these things. We, they want to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. They want to keep the Sabbath. They want to do all of these Jewish things because the flesh likes to be able to boast about what it does and none of it is spiritual so none of it's the Holy Spirit's leading it is all an incorrect spirit leading it's in the church today but as I say Paul from that point on had to deal with it throughout the rest of his ministry it never went away and it still hasn't gone away Uh, some examples in Philippians chapter 3 verse 2 to 7 Paul writing to that particular church he says beware of dogs beware of evil workers Beware of the mutilation, for we are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit, rejoicing Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh, though I also might have confidence in the flesh. And so what had happened is uh, Paul and uh, Silas and Timothy had planted the church in Philippi, and these false brethren had gotten into that particular church. And they had started to entertain this particular doctrine and so Paul had to deal with them and he calls the those who would try and get the Gentile believers to be circumcised he calls them the mutilation and he calls them dogs and he calls them evil workers and he yeah, because what they had done is they would go into the, the Gentile churches and they would display their Jewish pedigree so to speak and say look we're Jews, we're descendant of uh, from Moses and Abraham, we have the law, and we have uh, things that you Gentile believers don't have. And so they would entice the Gentile believers to start doing what they do. And so the point was, if you really want to be um, experience a true relationship with God and with Yeshua, uh, the Messiah, then you should start observing the Sabbath and all these various things and Paul had to now steer the Gentile believer away from that and Paul even himself said he said to them guys if you want to see a Jewish pedigree have a look at me I've got a Jewish pedigree he was a a descendant of Benjamin a descendant of Abraham a Pharisee of Pharisees Um, concerning the law he was blameless but he said all of that is rubbish because it's all in the flesh and our genealogy, we don't look uh, at things in the flesh because we are in the spirit. This, this Christian walk, we're born of God. God is our father. And so it's a, it's, a, it's a spiritual walk. And so everything that is of the flesh, all that what these Jewish false brethren were trying to entice the Gentile believers into observing, Paul said, it is completely erroneous. It's not uh, from God. And so he had to deal with the issue in the church at Philippi. Another passage of scripture, Colossians chapter 2, verse 16 and 17. He says to that church, So let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbaths, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. And so here these false brethren had gotten into the church at Colossae and they were again also trying to entice the Gentile believers to start observing the Jewish calendar and obviously food and drink as well starting uh, eating kosher foods etc etc Paul says to them guys the Jews uh, talking about the Jews under the Old Covenant they serve the type and the shadows because they cannot serve uh, the real and we under the New Covenant the the type and the shadow is is a a foretaste of the real, which is to come. Now, the real has not yet come. The real will only come when Jesus Christ returns to the earth. Then the church will partake of the real. But at this present time, the church partakes of worshiping God in the spirit. We serve God in the spirit during this age, and so we do not partake of types and shadows. We are destined to partake of the real. At this point in time, we t- we operate only in the spirit and so paul is saying don't get into the types and shadows because that is what jews under the old covenant um, are mandated to observe because that's all they have and he you know has to steer the the believers the gentile believers away from trying to observe new moons and sabbaths and set feasts and uh, dietary laws etc 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 and so this, 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 this battle that Paul has to um, deal with with regards to this false doctrine in the church is ongoing for, throughout the rest of his ministry. Look at another example. Titus chapter 1 verse 10 and 11. Um, Paul writing to Titus, he says, For there are many insubordinate, both idle talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole households, teaching things which they ought not for dishonest gain. And so, look, there was a lot of false doctrine that Paul had to deal with in his day, and we have to deal with it even now. And The same demons that Paul dealt with are still in the earth today, and so we have to deal with the same doctrines that those demons came up with. Um, but Paul singles out the circumcision because it was uh, a, a very... Uh, prominent false doctrine that Satan was trying to introduce into the church and get the Gentile believers to buy into it. And so, you know, Paul, his admonishment to Titus is, Titus, we need to put a stop to this. We must stop this doctrine that they are trying to bring into the church. And then we look at the churches in Galatia. And we we'll read this whole passage of scripture, um, a bit lengthy, but it, it is more illustrated for us of what actually transpired because it seems that in the churches in Galatia because it was an ongoing battle Paul had to keep addressing the issue in the churches that he planted Um, because obviously Satan would send his false minister when Paul left the church they would rock up and they would um, begin to try and influence the church again and Paul would have to deal with them but it seems that Paul Um, lost the battle in the churches in Galatia and we can pick it up in this passage of scripture and going forward as well as we discuss it that uh, the churches in in Galatia took uh, the bait and they decided no Paul you're wrong these guys are right we want to go with uh, these Jewish uh, we know them to be false brethren but they were deceived and obviously followed after Galatians chapter 4 verse 9 through to 28 Paul writing into that church, or churches, obviously, uh, he says, But now after you have known God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you turn again to the weak and beggarly elements to which you desire again to be in bondage? You observe days and months and seasons and years. I'm afraid for you, lest I have labored for you in vain. Brethren, I urge you to become like me, for I became like you. Verse 16. Have I therefore become your enemy, because I tell you the truth? They zealously court you, but for no good. Yes, they want to exclude you, that you may be zealous for them. Verse 19. My little children, for whom I labor in birth again, until Christ is formed in you. I would like to be present with you now and change my tone for I have doubts about you. Tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not hear the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by the bondwoman and the other by the free woman. But he who was of the bondwoman was born according to the flesh. And he was of the free woman through promise, which things are symbolic. For there are, these are the two covenants. The one from Mount Sinai, which gives birth to bondage, which is Hagar. Uh, for this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to Jerusalem, which now is and is in bondage with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free, which is the mother of us all. Verse 28, now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are children of promise. And so if Paul has to... He really comes head to head with the churches in Galatia because he says in this passage, Have I become your enemy because I tell you the truth? And so they, they had, uh, Paul reminds him, he said, Guys, before you came into this kingdom, you used to be involved with all pagan rituals and w- with pagan calendar events, etc., etc. You were then set free. Are you now trying once again to be brought into bondage to other calendar events and other rituals? talking about the law because he said you are desirous to be under the law now the churches in Galatia took um, issue with Paul on this point because they had started they had already started to observe uh, the law because he said you guys are observing uh, uh, days and calendars it's just have a look at that passage again Um, sorry bear with me verse 10, you observe days and months and seasons and years, I'm afraid for you. And so, um, and when he said, they zealously caught you but for no good, it's again alluding to those Jewish brethren who who would go into the churches and say, you know, guys, you're right, you believed in um, Jesus, they would call him Yeshua, Um, and that's all good and well. However, we have a closer relationship because we're the chosen uh, people of God and we keep the feasts and we do this and what and so the gentile believers would become enticed and say well maybe they have something more than what we have relationship wise and so if we start doing what they do we can enjoy a better relationship with god and Paul saying to them guys that's just not on that's not your covenant and then he he explains do you you want to be under the law have a look at what the law says and then he explains how there were the two children, the one that was born of bondage, the other one was born of promise. And he says that the one who was born of bondage but is is a type and shadow of the Jewish nation today who is under bondage. He talks about Jerusalem that now is, because they're under the law and they're in bondage to the law. And he said, you guys are children of promise and your Jerusalem is the mother of all these, is the, the freedom that we have in Christ Jesus. And so he tries to steer the churches in Galatia back onto the right track. But it seems that he lost that particular battle because in 2 Timothy 1.15, Paul, at the end of his ministry, relates to Timothy that all the churches in Asia had turned away from Paul. And it seems to be that this was one of the main issues that caused that division between Paul and the churches in Asia is that he would preach against the Gentile believers trying to take on the Jewish customs and they were would have none of it they were more enticed by the false brethren to follow after what was in fact a satanic doctrine and that's the route that they went and so, what you find with gentile believers that want to um partake of the jewish customs and they want to partake of the calendar and they want to partake of the feasts and they want to partake of the uh, dietary laws and all of that they have no you know they they don't say well we want to um love our neighbors as ourselves that's not the, the 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 desire their desire is they want to be observing the sabbath they want to observe new moons, They want to observe the Feast of Tabernacles. They want to observe all of these feasts. They want to eat kosher. Um, so it's all the the laws that are not part of the law of love or under the law of love. That's what they are after. And you try and tell them that's not right. And <laughs> there's no law of love that gets displayed from them from that point of view. But this is the... Because the, the, uh, they, they, they look in the New Testament to find... Uh, some excuse that they can use to say, "Well, we're entitled to do this because of this," and they actually take Paul's teaching and they take it out of context and they use that as a basis for them uh, um, justifying their observance of the Jewish law. And we pick it up in Galatians chapter three, verse twenty-six and to twenty-eight. Paul teaching, and he says. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Verse 28. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And so they love to take this passage of scripture and they quote it. And they say, see, Paul himself said, in Christ there is neither Jew nor Greek and so we're all one in Christ and thus we can therefore put all if Jewish if it's a right for Jewish believers to observe the law of Moses and to be circumcised well then it's a right for Gentile believers to do the same because we're all one in Christ. Now that is true that we are all one in Christ however Paul in this passage is talking about in the spirit for we are all one in the Spirit. We are one Spirit with the Lord. 1 Corinthians 12, 13 tells us that very plainly. But he's not talking about in this life that there's neither Jew nor Greek. You say, oh, how do you pick that up? Well, look at what he says here. He says, he he classifies three different groupings of people. He says, in Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek, but he also says there is neither slave nor free. And he also says there is neither male nor female. Now, that is all in the spirit. Because in this life, let's look at those three categories of, of, of people. Um, and we'll first look at the slave and free, male and female. And then we'll come back to Jew and Greek. Because that's, as I say, the crux of the what Gentile believers like to quote. When they say, well, I'm entitled to keep the law of Moses because in Christ, there's neither Jew nor Gentile. So, I can do what the Gent- uh, Jewish believers do. Um, so, let's have a look at slave or free. Well, when one is born again, and in Paul's day, it was slave or free. You were either a free person or you were a slave. There were uh, slavery. Slavery was very common, especially within the church, because um, the Lord brought in the poor basically into the church as He does today, and. It was really the slaves that were the poor in in Paul's day. Now, what happened is, when a slave got born again, he couldn't go to his master the next day and say to his master, well, I'm born again now, so I'm free, so I'm no longer your slave. (laughs) He he would find out very quickly that he was still that master's slave. And so the point is very clear that before the, the slave is born again and after the slave is born again, he remains a slave. So he doesn't, he, in the Spirit he's set free, because Paul goes on to say, he who is, a, a, is in the Lord as, as a slave is the Lord's freed man. And he who's free in, in Christ becomes Christ's slave. So Paul is talking all around the Spirit. But in the natural, if you were a slave before you got born again, the day after you remained a slave. Your status didn't change at all. Free as well. If you were free before you got born again, the day after you were still free. So that's that category. Let's go look at males and females. Again, the same thing. If you're a male before you got born again, the day afterwards, you were not now gender neutral in that you could say, well, now I'm neither male nor female. And so I can walk around in a dress in a skirt if I want. You couldn't do that. And you can't do that in the kingdom of God. It is unacceptable. And it's a... It, it should be unacceptable in society, although society is becoming very confused about it at this point in time. And I suppose it happened at that time. But within the kingdom of God, it is unacceptable for males to behave as females and dress up them as them an, and behave like them, and vice versa. And so the point is, is that I'm trying to get across here is before you're saved, if you're a male, the day after you're saved, you remain a male. You don't now become gender gender neutral, or you don't now become a female, and vice versa. If you're a female, before you're saved, the day after, you remain a female in this life. However, in Christ, in the Spirit, there is neither male nor female, for we are all one Spirit with the Lord. And so now bring that concept over into Jew and Gentile and the point and the concept remains exactly the same in the natural. If you were a Jew before you got saved, the day after you got saved, you remain a Jew in the natural. If you're Gentile before you're saved, the day after you're saved, you remain a Gentile in the natural. Spirit, it's different. But in this life, practically speaking, it remains exactly the same. Now Paul did deal with this in all of the churches that he taught and we can pick up on this particular passage of Scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 17 to 20. Uh, it, scripture says, But as God has distributed to each one, and as the Lord has called each one, so let him walk. And so I ordain in all the churches. So this was the doctrine that Paul taught across the board. Verse 18. Was anyone called while uncircumcised? let him not become circumcised. Sorry, <laughs> i got confused. Was anyone called while circumcised, let him not become uncircumcised. Was anyone called while uncircumcised, let him not become circumcised. Circumcision is nothing, and uncircumcision is nothing, but keeping the commandments of God is what matters. Let each one remain in the same calling in which he was called. And so, Paul is just saying, guys, God knows what he's doing. And so if you're a Gentile before you get saved, it's because God wants you to be a Gentile. If he wanted you to be Jewish, he would have made, brought you into this earth in a Jewish family. Um, and if you were a Jew, a Jew before you got saved, God wants you to remain a Jew. He doesn't want you now to be trying and become a Gentile. Uh, in, if God... Uh, saved you as a male. He doesn't want you now to try to become a female. Not at all. And so we are each one of us to remain in the same calling that God calls us into his kingdom. So if we're born again as Gentiles, we remain Gentiles for the rest of our life here on earth. If we're born again as Jews, we remain Jews for the rest of our times here on earth. We're not to try and change and say, okay, well, now I'm born again now i need to become jewish or now i need to become gentile not at all god knows what he's doing in the calling that he's called us into his kingdom that's the calling we're to remain in now changes in the spirit but we're not to try and change it in the natural as well and so as i say um, the churches in galatia paul did lose the battle it seems like if we look at scripture in that they went down this road and it's a very dangerous road because the end of this path that gentile believers walk on is apostasy because the 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 end result is that they turn away from christianity and embrace judaism and we can pick up in this passage galatians chapter 5 verse 1 through to 9 paul writing he says stand fast therefore in the liberty by which christ has made us free And do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Indeed, I, Paul, say to you, that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. And I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised, that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. You have become estranged from Christ, you who attempt to be justified by law." you have fallen from grace. For we through the Spirit eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. You ran well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion does not come from him who called you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. And so this is a very a dire warning that Paul gives to the churches in Galatia. He says, guys, you're on a path that is a a very dangerous one. And he ends up, he says, a little leaven leavens a whole lump. So in other words, if you're going to start doing this, and they had already started, we read that already. They had started to observe certain feasts. They most probably were trying to observe the Sabbaths, all sorts of things like that. Paul says, a little leaven leavens a whole lump. So what sounds innocent in that you just start off observing one or two feasts um, eventually will find its way out throughout your walk and you will eventually get to the place where you, where you will fall from grace and you will become estranged from christ now that means to lose one's salvation why because they have eventually embraced judaism and walked away from christianity and so that's the danger of this doctrine. It seems innocent enough because it's not as if the, the person now embracing um, idolatry from the point of view of serving false gods. It's, a, you know, they, they're looking at the law of God, and so this must be right. But it's not right because the Gentile believers are not called to that covenant. That's not our covenant. Ours is the new covenant. And so God doesn't allow us to partake of two covenants at the same time. You've got to choose one or the other. And so he says, if you guys are going to go down this route, if you choose to be justified by law, well, then you have fallen from grace and Christ will profit you nothing. Because now that covenant becomes annulled. You can now partake of the old covenant, but that is, remember we said, that's not an eternal covenant. That's a covenant for this life only. And so when you die you are cut off from Christ and all Jews who are unbelieving Jews, uh, their descent when they die is into Hades and so that's exactly what would happen to these particular believers as well. So it's a very dangerous doctrine. Satan knows that. That's why Satan punts it as much as he can in the church. He keeps doing it, he's done it throughout the centuries. Uh, He only caught up uh, on after the first 20 years we said, but since then it has been one of his um, main uh, weapons that he uses uh, among believers. Now, it doesn't, it doesn't obviously infiltrate the whole church, but there's a significant portion of the church that do get um, brought into bondage through this particular doctrine. And as I said, currently uh, there's this Hebrew roots movement that is uh, prevailing in, in the church. And as I say, Paul warns against it, he says it's a very dangerous doctrine. Because the end result is apostasy. And then just one last comment I wanted to make around this issue. And that is that what God has done is he has not replaced the Jewish calendar by placing into the church a Christian calendar. You say, what does that mean? Well, you, you have in, um, a lot in, my, in, a, in a lot of the mainline churches, um, they don't observe Jewish feasts. But all that they've done is they've replaced the Jewish feasts with what they uh, uh, their own feasts. Um, they've just given them Christian names. And so they still are in the flesh from that point of view, and they observe those laws, uh, which is not of God. It's not from God. He's, uh, he Paul says that you ran well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion does not come from him who calls you. And so... God did not do away with the Jewish calendar to replace it with a Christian calendar. So for those who are willing to accept it, that's also uh, uh, something that we, we should consider because it's not of God. And that brings us to a close with this series. We're not going to go any further on this particular our message. We're going the teaching on that point.